0: the 6th, it is known by various days, 12th night, the 12th night of Christmas, this is the day the Christmas decorations come down. In our church, it's going to be 13th night, probably, or 14th by the time they come down. It's the last day uh, of Christmas. Though in some branches of the world, they celebrate Christmas for 40 days, go right through to Candlemas on February the 2nd. 12 days is what we do traditionally. Though actually, our nation does about three months of it, don't they, from sort of October, or four months from September on. Anyway, it's the last day of Christmas. It's also known as the Feast of Epiphany. Epiphany, a long word that means appearing. Or showing and it's we remember that we remember the visit of the wise men the magi who come from the east probably the area of Persia that seemed to be where the magi came from uh, that God revealed his light and his love to them they're Gentiles not Jews uh, Epiphany celebrates the fact that God shines his light to people from every nation and culture of the world Uh, God never intended it just to be for the Jews. You may know the story. God chose Abraham and he said, I will bless you and you will be a blessing to others. And from him, he made the nation of Israel. They grew from Abraham. And the idea was they would be a blessing to the whole world. Uh, Jesus is known as a light to the world, to the Gentiles. An epiphany is about the showing of this light the appearing of this light to people from every culture and the wise men, the magi, are representatives of that for us uh, this evening. Uh, What I'd like to do is to go through the story, to think about some of the bits of the story, not all of them, Uh, and then we've got a couple of interviews later on uh, connected with uh, links we have with people in different parts of the world as we're thinking about God's light for the whole world. Uh, So here we have Magi from the East, sometimes known as the three kings, though they probably weren't actually kings, wise men, astrologers who searched the stars. Uh, We don't know how many there were. If you believe the Christmas cards, there were three. Uh, But it doesn't say that. The scriptures in our reading said Magi from the East came and they have three gifts. There may have only been two of them. There may have been 31. I have no idea. Uh, Traditionally, uh, in the West, we've thought there are three, and about a thousand years ago, they gave them names Casper, Melchior, and Balth- Balthazar, I think. Uh, but I think that's made up. In the Eastern Church, they thought there were 12 magi. Why not? You, you can think whatever number you like. Uh, the point is, there were wise men from the East, astrologers searching the stars. Uh, and it seems that around the time of Jesus, there was an extraordinary conjunction in the skies. Uh, the conjunction of the planets of Jupiter and Saturn in the area of the sky that the astrologers called Pisces, which for the, from their background, they would have understood as uh, the royal planet, the Jewish planet, and a new start. And you can see how pagan astrologers would have thought, gosh, a new king born to the Jews, a new era is starting. Uh, and they're drawn. Extraordinary how God draws people from all walks of life if they're searching after him. And these magi go on this long journey, uh, traditionally by camel, probably was, probably with lots of servants. They would have had to camp. It would have taken time. It would have been a huge gathering. And they come searching for the one born, the king of the Jews. I'd love to know how they knew to look for him. I've often wondered whether uh, they're in Babylon in the libraries, Daniel, hundreds of years before, had left his prophecies there for them to read and start searching after, or Balaam's oracles from of old. We don't know. Uh, When we get to glory, we'll be able to ask them. But there was something they'd read, something they were looking for. And this amazing star comes. Uh, They come to King Herod. Uh, which was not a wise move. King Herod was a complete megalomaniac. It was said it was safer to be Herod's pig than his son or daughter because he murdered so many of his family. Uh, A complete megalomaniac. But they ask, where's the one born king of the Jews? Herod's immediately on edge. Someone's born a king, a threat to me. I'll have to kill him. I better not tell them. Uh, Tell me when you find him, and I'll come and worship him. Herod later tried to kill Jesus. We read... In the story after we read today, uh, after Joseph and Mary had escaped, that Herod killed all the little boys under two in accordance with the time he'd heard from the Magi. It seemed the Magi had been traveling for up to two years uh, from when they saw the star. The journey took them a year or two, we don't know. And they come to the house where they find Jesus uh, and Herod tries to kill him. Uh, Just a word to anyone here who is exploring the Christian faith. Jesus says, if you seek, you will find. The Magi, they definitely did their seeking. Whatever it was that got them going to start with, they did what the best thing they knew how, how, they followed the stars, they went to Herod, they were directed to Bethlehem. They found Jesus and bowed down and worshipped him. Jesus says, if you seek, you will find. Uh, If the Magi had sat there back in Persia, twiddling their thumbs, saying, I wonder what that star means, and never done anything about it, they'd never have found out. And I want to invite any of you who are seekers after truth, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, but you're exploring this, you think there's some truth here, you're drawn a bit like there's a strange star, you want to find out more. Then please come. We have an alpha course. I'm sure this was what was in Michael's mind earlier. That starts on Thursday evenings after half term in February. Get that in your diary now. We could give you, uh, there's flyers uh, at the back. You don't have to wait till then. A great way to start would be to read the story of Jesus, one of the gospel accounts Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and pray, God, I don't know if this is true, but if it is, help me to know. And then read the story of Jesus and ask God to reveal the truth to you. And come and talk to us. We'd love to talk to you and help point you in your direction. But if you seek, you will find. If you don't seek, you won't find. It's as simple as that. The wise men are wonderful examples of seeking after Jesus. Sometimes you get a Christmas card uh, with sort of camel, three camels on it and shadowy magi on there. It said, wise men seek... Wise men came to seek for Jesus, wise people still do, it's one of those sort of Christmas cards you get. If you are a seeker after truth, this is a great place to explore the truths of Christianity. We won't heavy you, we'll help try and address your questions, help point you to Jesus. We believe he is the, the truth, as it says in the bricks over my head, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way to relationship with God, he's the truth about God, he is the source of all our life. And we believe we found wonderful good news. We'd love to share it with you. Uh, So the wise men eventually get to Bethlehem and they come to the house. We realize Jesus is in a house. It's not a stable. He may have been there. They may have stayed there in Bethlehem. Uh, Joseph presumably is a carpenter doing some jobs, earning some money uh, to feed uh, the family. We know that it was uncomfortable for Mary back in Nazareth. There'd been a pregnancy out of marriage. There was a bit of a scandal. It was probably more comfortable for them to stay in Bethlehem. Uh, The the child may have been up to two, maybe 18 months. We don't know. Uh, And there they are. And the wise men come. And they bring these three treasures, extraordinary gifts. At our all-age service this morning, I asked some of the children, particularly where there are boys of about two, what did they get for Christmas? and some of them had various sort of bricks to build with, and some of them had different things. Nobody was given gold, frankincense, or myrrh, as far as I'm aware. Apparently, when I was two, I was given all sorts of presents, including a train set, but my favourite present when I was two was a doll called Queenie. How about that? As far as we're aware, Jesus wasn't given a doll called Queenie or a train set. He was given gold and frankincense and myrrh. Ridiculous presents for a toddler, and yet extraordinary symbolic. Christians have always seen in these gifts uh, symbols of who Jesus was. Gold because he is a king. Jesus came to be the Messiah. The Messiah was the king of the Jews. Uh, In Old Testament days, there was this looking forward to a day when God would send a great king, born of David's family, who would restore the kingdom to Israel. Uh, This figure became known as the Messiah, and they looked forward to the day. There was a lot of messianic expectation at the time of Jesus, people wondering, will God send his Messiah? They were overrun by the Romans at the time. They thought the Messiah would come and kick out the Romans and restore the glory days to Israel. Jesus didn't come to be that sort of king. He came to be a king. His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom, not like the United Kingdom that's a geographical kingdom or the European kingdom or any other uh, nation kingdom. If you bow the knee to Jesus as your king, you are included in his kingdom. The gold is there from these magi, these sort of strange princely, maybe rulers, maybe astrologers. We don't quite know exactly who they were. But they bow before him. They see in him uh, something from God that is more than they could imagine. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, The best definition I know of being a Christian is to live with Jesus as my Lord, or Jesus as my King. Uh, If I don't do that, I'm going my own way. To go my own way, uh, the Bible calls sin, and that separates me from God. Uh, To repent of my sin, I come back to bowing the knee to Jesus as Lord. Uh, Some Christians make the mistake of wanting God's forgiveness, but not wanting to live with Jesus as Lord. And there'll be some of you here with that tension in your life. I lived my teenage years like that. I'd grown up in a Christian home. I believed all this was true. Uh, I went to a very small little village church, uh, which was rather boring. My dad was the vicar, and I let him know uh, how boring I thought it was. Actually, my kings, let my, my children let me know how boring they think St. Paul's is, but they have no idea uh, in the sort of dibley village that I grew up in. Uh, I went to Scripture Union camps each summer, and there I experienced something of the wonder and living relationship of Jesus. But it wasn't until I was 18 at university that I bowed the knee to Jesus as my Lord. I believed it was true, so I thought I need to follow his way. I did not expect the joy that came with Jesus as Lord. My teenage years had been a bit miserable. Uh, I, at school, I wasn't really known as a Christian But I wasn't happy not being a Christian. I knew it was true. I was torn two ways. It was a bit like there was one time uh, I was in the opposition end of a football match uh, among supporters of the rival fans and my team scored and I didn't dare cheer because I didn't want to be beaten up. And my teenage years felt like that. And it was miserable. And I always say, if you want to be miserable, the best way I know how is to be a half-hearted Christian. But to bow the knee to Jesus as Lord is the route to joy and peace. It's also the way to lots of trouble and adventure, but there is an inner peace and joy. And I never met a Christian who wishes they'd put it off longer. Met lots of people who wished they'd sort it out earlier. So there was a word to those who are seeking, like the wise men. Seek, look, explore, pray, ask God to show you, read the scriptures, come to Alpha. A word to those of you who, are, who have been living as half-hearted Christians at the start of a new year. Can I challenge you to dare to live with Jesus as your Lord? It will not be easy. It's not easy, but it is wonderful. And he will be with you and will watch over you every step of the way. He is the Lord. He's the King of Kings and his way is the best way. Uh, And some of you will know that you've been pulled two two ways. You can't turn your back on Jesus. You know it is true. You haven't quite brought yourself to bow your knee to him. Tonight, at the start of a new year, would be a great day to say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry I've gone my own way. I want to follow you. Please help me. Fill me by your spirit. Give me the courage to follow you. Uh, All of that was from gold, not not every uh, I won't go on as long about each one. (laughs) Gold is because he's the king of kings and lord of lords. Frankincense was burnt in the temple. It was a sweet-smelling incense that as it went up in in the cloud, in the sweet smell, it was a symbol of prayers going up to God. Some churches still burn incense uh, as part of their prayer time. Uh, for the same reason, to make the point that it's a sweet-smelling smoke that goes up to God. Uh, The point of this, Christians have always seen, is that Jesus is not just God's Messiah, he's not just the king that God appointed, he is indeed God himself who hears our prayers. Uh, The Jews didn't expect the Messiah would actually be God incarnate, but one of the great kings or rulers that God raised up. And the surprise was that the Messiah... Turned out to be the Son of God himself. Very God, come down to this earth, born as a man. Uh, He is the one we pray to. And the frankincense is there as a reminder that we pray to Jesus. Uh, You will have all sorts of things facing you at the start of this new year. Bring it to the Lord in prayer. His resources are for you. Uh, Sometimes he will change the situation as we pray, sometimes the situation won't change but he will give us the resources to face that situation, but he will always listen. Gold because he's a king, frankincense because he's God, myrrh was used to anoint the dead. Strange gift to give to a little boy of one or two, but it pointed forward to the fact that Jesus came to be our saviour and ultimately The supreme moment was when he died on the cross and rose again. Myrrh was there pointing forward even in his early toddler days to the fact that he would die on the cross. Our service of communion this evening as we break bread and pour wine reminds us uh, of Jesus. Jesus told us to remember him by breaking bread, by pouring out wine. When he died on the cross, he paid the price for all our sin, whoever you are, Whatever you've done, Jesus has paid the price for it. And he offers you forgiveness to be washed clean. When we baptize someone, they're washed clean in water on the outside. It's symbolic because God washes us clean inside. Uh, It's a wonderful thing. Whatever you've done, everybody's in the same boat. No one's been perfect. No one deserves relationship with God. No one's so bad that they can't be forgiven. And whoever you are, whatever you've done, there is forgiveness and a fresh start. Uh, And in these symbols of gold and frankincense and myrrh, we see rich theology. Jesus is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is very God. And he came to die for us out of his great love for us. If you're a seeker, seek as the wise men did. If you've been half-hearted, be half-hearted no longer tonight. Bow the knee to Jesus as Lord. If you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus, listen for him. I love the fact that in the prayers, Adam gave us the time just to listen, to be still. We don't get very long being still in church, but you can take time every day to be still before the Lord. It is the best key to growing as a Christian, is taking time every day to be still, to pray, to read the scriptures, to listen, to bring it to the Lord. Who knows what God will whisper to you in the stillness? Joseph is a good example of someone who listens to God's whispers. Uh, Joseph actually had God speak to him in a dream twice. You know the story uh, we had before Christmas. Mary's pregnant. He knows it's not him. He doesn't know who it is. He's resolving to divorce her quietly. He's a good man. And God speaks to him in a dream. Mary has conceived through the Holy Spirit don't be afraid to take her as your wife the child will be called jesus god saves is what jesus means because he will save his people from their sins so joseph did what god had said and he took mary as his wife they traveled to bethlehem the baby was born they stay there and the wise men come it must have been an amazing day these men these wise men come these gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh are given They must, when they've gone, they must be saying to each other, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? They probably weren't very big, these gifts, but very valuable. That night, I don't know if you uh, know the story. Can we put up from verse 13 onwards of the story, please, Dan? Dan asked me what verses I wanted. I said, I'm not quite sure. But uh, uh, from verse 13 onwards of the story, it will come up in a bit. Very good. After the wise men had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. Joseph is an amazing example of following God's leading. He doesn't sit around and say, well, let's, let's discuss that for a while and ask everybody what they think. If he'd done that, he would have been there when Herod arrived and Jesus would have been killed. He follows the leading of God. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God will lead you and guide you. It'll come in all sorts of different ways. You may be fortunate enough to have a dream. Usually when God speaks to someone dramatically like that, there is a real danger or something particular. Uh, It may be in thoughts or nudges, it may be through pictures, it may be through friends. But if you're listening for the Lord, he will lead you and guide you. Supremely he speaks through the scriptures. But Joseph listened and he followed. And off they went in the night, probably the night after the wise men had gone, and they flee to Egypt, taking with them these treasures, no doubt. Uh, I said this morning... uh, you, get, you used to get some Christmas cards. They haven't been around for a few years. I'm sure they will come again. What if it had been three wise women rather than three wise men? Have you seen these Christmas cards? They probably would have asked for directions and arrived on time and brought a casserole and cleaned out the stable. It would have been really helpful and practical. Instead of which, these men arrive late, uh, lost, and with these gifts that aren't much used to a toddler. And yet, these gifts were probably just what Joseph needed because when they flee to Egypt with nothing... They have valuable resources that he could sell to buy carpenter's tools so he could set himself up as a carpenter, probably. Uh, And he was there for a few years until in another dream, God speaks to him and says it's safe to come back. For some of you, the word of the Lord to you at the start of this year is take time to listen for the Lord and his leading. He will lead you. He will guide you. He promises to lead his people. You need to be listening. Joseph is a wonderful example of someone who follows the leading of the Lord. Uh, now I said we'd do a couple of interviews as well, so it's not just me talking tonight. Uh, Epiphany is about the appearing, God showing his goodness to people of all nations. The wise men, the magi, represent people from foreign nations. And in this church we have wonderful mission partners all around the world. We put up a picture of our team out in Uganda at the orphanage in Notdeck. Um, We put up pictures of Stuart and Rosie going out as link mission partners to Recife in Brazil. We put up uh, pictures of Elisa and Marcos who are going to be working in Sao Paulo, among the most vulnerable. Uh, Two interviews for you tonight uh, for different parts of the world. One connected with Argentina uh, via Tenerife and one for Canada. So first of all, Mike, will you come and join me at the front, please? This is Mike Atkins. Mike and Lyndon have been part of this church family for... Gosh how long Mike?
1: I think three years before you came.
0: So I've been here 18 years so 21 years Mike and Lyndon. November
1: 1994. Oh a long time when I first met Jesus.
0: Fantastic so uh, Mike and Lyndon are retired and the Lord has led them to serving him in Tenerife. It's a hard calling. Very hard. Uh, But you're here half the year and we love the fact you're here. Um, and Mike's been involved out in Nottec, in uh, Uganda, in various ways. Uh, the reason I've got Mike here tonight is that we asked Mike to go for us to Argentina to spend time with Marcus and Claire Werfel and look at their church. They're wanting to build and we're wanting to support them and help them. So it's Spanish-speaking culture. We need someone who understands building. And Carolyn Davy, our church warden, the head of the GO team, and I were talking, Lord, who could we ask to go? And we thought, what about Mike? He speaks Spanish. He might have a bit of time. And he's an architect. And he'd really enjoy Marcus and Claire. So I sent you a text saying, will you go to Argentina for us? You did, yes. And what was your reaction?
1: Hiding away in Tenerife, (laughs) I realised, well, it wasn't just from Jonathan. It was, in fact, from God. And and we don't say no to God.
0: No, that's right. So you went on a long journey over to Argentina. Marcus, some of you will have met Marcus and Claire. Can we put up a picture of, there's Marcus and Claire... I tested you this morning. Can you remember their three children's names?
1: <laughs> Marisol, Lucas and Oliver.
0: Well done. Very good. So you, th- there you are with them in their home, but you didn't go to explore their house. You went to explore the church there because they've, they've planted a church and they want to build and we want to help them. So we want to know that it's viable. So tell us about the building they've got.
1: Well, the church they've got at the moment is an old building, um, which they don't use very much they use an upper room which is at the back of the church we've got
0: a picture of the front of it somewhere
1: that's the front of the church and uh, so
0: it looks like a splendid old house
1: yes yes indeed it's in a plaza which is the second largest plaza in concordia um, there's the street view, and the the plaza is used seven days a week. So, so it's, it's a really good location, very good presence. Yes.
0: And for those who are struggling with their geography, we've got some maps. Concordia is near Buenos Aires. About
1: 600 miles north of Buenos Aires.
0: Yeah. So near in Argentinian terms. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but in so they're in Argentina. So they are there, marks and Claire, and they've got this church, and it's a good location. But it needs an awful lot of work.
1: It's dilapidated. That people have to walk through it to get to the upper room, which is in another small building at the back.
0: And the, how many people can they get in there?
1: They can get in 60, maybe 70, with standing
0: room. In so there. we've got a picture of the church. So that's Waters. there. They are there 50 or 60 people that's there. That's
1: about the size of the room,
0: which is absolutely wonderful. Ten years ago, this church didn't exist, and Mark Sinclair planted yes. this church. Yes, but they have a vision for it to grow.
1: They have a vision. They have lots of groups. Uh, football groups mums and tots groups toddlers groups the uh, young age group which is 18 to 30 and then they but they have
0: to do events somewhere else <clears throat> they the did
1: thing. an event on the sunday before christmas which were, they had to use a local hotel they had a meal there and music and had 200 people attending so
0: there's tremendous potential so we sent you out there to say is doing this this building up is it a good building is it feasible and is there any chance of it happening soon?
1: Well, I also met with builders and architects out there and, and conversed with them, and yes, it's possible, and yes, it's within a good price range that can be done. And, and
0: they, they had a builder, Juan, is it? Juan who, was the builder, yes. Part of the part of the church?
1: Eduardo was, that's right, and Eduardo was the, the architect.
0: And through it all, you felt a call to be involved, so you're going to carry on?
1: I'm carrying on as their consultant, and consultant for the Go team
0: as well. So the plan is that at some stage later in this year, depending on how all the communications go, uh, we will hold a gift day in order to provide the extra funds. We're sitting on some money we've given already, but it's not enough yet, in order to help them to build this church. Yes. But we don't quite know about the timescales.
1: No, um, it was probably saw sort of spring, but that's going to be a bit too early, I think, with the toing and froing of sketch plans and...
0: So we'll probably do it later in the year. Yes. That's fine. Can we salute Mike and give him lots of, with a big round of applause and thank him for being our ambassador to Argentina. And let's just pause and pray for that. Lord, we thank you for your light shining in Argentina in so many ways, but especially through Marcus and Claire and this new church, the New Life Church in Concordia. Bless them, we pray, even as they meet today. And we commit to you their hopes and plans for uh, a church building that can really release the growth of the church the next stage. Thank you for Mike uh, for representing us. Thank you for one, the builder out there and all the folks there. We pray that you will have your hand overseeing these plans and that your light would spread and you would reveal your goodness to many people in that place as a result of this church Lord in your mercy hear our prayer I said a second interview this one is connected with Canada and this one is to do with my youngest son Joshua Uh, so I've asked Ruth to interview him because I think that will go better
2: hi Josh hi Ruth So, Joshua, you've been coming to this church for quite a while, haven't you? Too long, yes. Too Um, long. 18 years. 18 years. And how old were you when you started? Ten days when we moved to Levington. Ten days old. Yes. So you've done a bit of growing since then? You have A little bit, yes. Yeah, thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Cheeky. And so you're flying off to Canada on? On Wednesday. And that's in how many hours? 64 hours and 20 minutes, not counting. Not counting, no. So you've got that on your phone, haven't you? A countdown. Yes. Yes. Been there for a while. So, I think we've got um, a couple of pictures, haven't we? We've got a picture up on the screen of exactly where you're going. Yeah. So, you can you so, ex- talk um, us through that? As you can see, no prizes for guessing, I'm off to Canada. If we uh, move on to the next one, please, perfect. So, we fly into Calgary, which is the nice red dot, and then the purple dot is where we're going to be staying for three months. So I'm heading off with a gap year charity called Soul Edge, and we're going to be staying in a town of Herbert of about 800 people in the middle of nowhere. Um, so that's three months of discipleship, um, theology, loads of time in the Bible, loads of time in worship, and that's just kind of training um, me and the other 10 of us who are who are doing this. And then for the next two months, so the final two months, we head up north uh, to the blue marker to a little village called Pelican Narrows, which is going to be freezing frankly Um, but yeah they're on mission working in schools working in their church doing kids groups practical projects classic christian gap year things really (laughs) excellent so i think we've got a short video clip of um just to sort of highlight some of the stuff you're going to be doing